Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before we get started, I would like to give a very special shout-out to the Reformed members of Back to Ashes. Lisa Radford, Ashley Miles, Underscare Wifey, Tina Mead, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Gwen Haley, Mana Ash, Normie D.W., Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's Niece, and Samantha Place. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes or buy me a coffee as a simple extra thank you, all that information can be found below. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please don't forget to leave a like, share with your friends, comment, or subscribe if you're not already. It really does help the channel out. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to Ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or chuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled true let's not meet stories right after this intro an ad will play i'll read the first story an ad will play and after that there will be no more ads within this video i'm a female 29 years old and i met a guy from tinder in person who was 27 I had a weird feeling right from the start. Now I wish I hadn't gone. We decided to meet at a casino and walk around. He stared at me the whole time. I don't really know what I was doing hanging out with him, but I decided to a couple more times, and things got intimate with him. But I had a feeling like I didn't like it. Anyway, the creepy part is that he looked up all my information online, found out my address, who I live with, who my relatives are, where I went to school, grew up. It was awful, and he continued to terrorize me in any way he could, finding me on LinkedIn, calling me names in the comments of various posts, reading my entire blog from when I was 15 that I can't delete because the email is old. I managed to delete everything, and once I have money, I'm going to use that site, Delete Me. This is the first time anything like this has ever happened, and I'm definitely freaked out. I also have no friends where I live, so it's made me feel really lonely. I wish no one had to experience this kind of anxiety. I'm never going to be able to have any public social media profiles. I have to hide everything. It's insane that someone from Tinder I only met a few times would do this. I'm not going to be meeting people online anymore. So, creepy guy from Tinder, I hope I never, ever, ever see you again. I came home at around midnight to the house I share with four roommates. When walking on the sidewalk, I noticed a man across the street facing the other side seemingly doing nothing. I passed by and entered my house, locking the door and went to the kitchen, passing one of my roommates on the living room couch. The hallway from the front doorway opens into the living room and then to the kitchen. When I left the kitchen, I saw a dark outline through the door window and stopped to focus my eyes. My couched roommate looked at me confused as I had just stopped in my tracks. The outer door was open and the man from across the street was looking in and then started turning the knob. As I heard the knob started rattling, I said something like, 
There's a guy at the door. My roommate got up from the couch, alarmed, and we together got closer to the door. I could see the man's face clearer, now pressed up against the door window. His face was blank. He had long, oily hair and pockmarks on his cheeks. His expression made me feel incredibly uncomfortable, as it seemed he was looking through us, with no recognition of who we were. My roommate called down to my basement roommate to make sure his door leading to the backyard was locked. I got closer to the man as he kept trying the handle, so I could go upstairs and alarm my other roommate. When we came back down, the man wasn't at the door, so we peered out the window to see him standing in our walkway looking across the street again. Reflecting on this, I'm just happy I remembered to lock the door, because we'd often stupidly forget and spend the night with the door unlocked. I can't imagine if the door was unlocked, and had he stepped into our house, I wonder how this would have went down. I think about how he could probably have walked through the hallway, and my roommate on the couch would just see the stranger walk into our living room and scare the shit out of him. Most likely, this guy was drugged out by the way his expression was, but who knows what intentions he had. So, to the creepy guy trying to break into our house, we hope we never see you again. I want to start this off by stating that this is my first time telling this story, but I've always loved listening to everyone else's story, so I wanted to share my own. For some background info... I'm female and was 17 at the time of this story. I used to work at a pizza place in my hometown. The job sucked in many ways, but the worst part about it was that my manager had no problem leaving girls alone to close. Granted, the town I grew up in was small and boring, and many people left their doors unlocked, but I still thought it was risky. On this particular night, I was closing the shop alone at around 10, the last thing I had to do, on my way to my car, was take the garbage out, and the dumpster, as well as my car, were located on the side of the building. While I was making my way to the dumpster, I immediately noticed a man making his way towards me from across the shop's parking lot. He's wearing jeans and a black sweatshirt, and he had some sports cap on. Right off the bat, my heart dropped and I got incredibly nervous. I threw the trash away and began speed walking to my car when this guy says something. You got a cigarette? My paranoia told me that question was sketchy as hell, and I struggled to respond for a moment. I just said no and got to my car, hastily trying to get in it. And, I shit you not, as soon as I closed my door, he booked it to my car and tried to open it. Obviously, I had locked the doors immediately. I instantly started bawling and turned my car on. The man clubbed my window with his fists a few times, without a word, before booking it again into the nearby streets. I called my mom and then the police once I got home, and they opened a small investigation but could never find the guy. There were no other cases of something like this happening somewhere else in town, and so I think he probably relocated somewhere else to avoid being caught. I really have no clue what that man wanted to do. I'm sorry if this was kind of lame or anticlimactic, but it was pretty damn scary to me. So, to the man who tried to get in my car, let's not meet again. This happened around 2008. I am Mel and was 23 at the time this all began. It was the weekend, and an old high school friend reconnected with me online. So we decided to go grab a beer at a bar by his town, which was the same town I went to college at. It was my turn to get around, so I went up to the bar of this dim, dirty dive bar and asked for a bucket of beers. As I was waiting for my beers, a girl approached me. Let's call her Jane. Hey... Do you remember me? She was acting flirtatious. I really did not know or could not remember meeting her, so I said something like, I'm sorry, I talked to a lot of people at my job. Can you please refresh my memory? 
She stated she took a class with me and worked with me on a group project. I still had no idea who she was. However, she knew my name and my class I was in. I wasn't really interested in talking to her, so I politely said, Well, nice to see you, and went back to my friend at the table. I leave about one hour later and head home. I remember I took a shower and was getting ready to go to bed. I checked my phone before I got into bed and had an unknown number that had called me two times and texted and left me a voicemail during the time I was in the shower. The text was from Jane, saying it was great seeing me, and that I looked cute or something along those lines. It was very flirtatious. I again wasn't going to lead a girl on, so I responded politely, saying it was cool seeing her as well. I was weirded out because I did not exchange phone numbers at the bar. She may have had it on an old list if she was in my class. When I woke up, I had over ten texts sent to me inviting me over to hook up. It was point blank just telling me to come over. I left it off at first and was kind of flattered, but my thought was, man, she must have drank a lot that night. I didn't respond as I felt it would be too awkward. Then the real shit begins. I worked in an office where I could not have my cell phone out, and it's a very professional environment. On my break, I powered my phone on. 19 missed calls, 20 plus texts, and approximately 10 voicemails. I freaked out as I thought this was an emergency, but everything was from Jane. These messages go from hellos to sexual advances to anger, why I'm not answering, to I'm sorry's, to sobbing I'm sorry's, to threats of suicide if I don't answer. I was beyond freaked out, but I texted to see if she was okay or needed help. She texted me back as if it was the greatest day of her life hearing from me. I then let her know I felt her messages were inappropriate and that I didn't want to give her any feelings that I wanted to date her. I was young and wanted to experience dating, but not with her. From the beginning, this just was so odd to me. She began to go through cycles of anger, seduction, sadness, happiness, etc. I began getting 40 plus calls and messages. I decided it would be best to just stop responding at this point. This went on for over a week. Day and night calls and messages. Then, one message caught my eye. She mentioned where I work. I never told her this. There was a Wendy's a stone's throw away from my job. I got paranoid leaving work, thinking she was following me. I drive around for a while before going home from work. I remember sending her one last message, stating if she contacts me again, I would call the police. At the time, I had to pay a monthly fee on my cell phone to have the number blocked, but I never heard from her again thereafter. So, this happened a long time ago, but I've never forgotten it, as it was one of the strangest encounters me and my family ever had. One time as a child, I went with my family to the grocery store. It was our monthly trip to stock up on groceries, so we were going to be there a while. I was about 12 at the time, so by the age I had a good understanding of how to read people. We started in the produce aisle, and suddenly a strange man caught my eye. He was standing awkwardly close to us, sort of fake browsing the vegetables. His body language seemed off. He was standing with his back to us, but something seemed strange about the way he was positioned. As we slowly moved down the aisle, he would slowly rotate so his back was always facing us. As we got a little closer, I could tell he was wearing those see-behind glasses those gimmick sunglasses that have hidden mirrors on the inside of the lenses so you can see behind yourself. He had a dirty gray zip-up jacket on and long, dark, messy hair. He had to have been in his 40s. Our shopping went on, and wherever we went, I would see him standing there, staring at me from across the store. He would keep his distance from us, but he was always within eyesight, no matter where we were in the store. About 30 minutes in... 
My mom still hadn't noticed it, but he was starting to really creep me out. My mom didn't believe me at first. Eventually, we got to the refrigerator aisles, and that is when it got really weird. Whatever aisle we were in, he would quickly pace past us occasionally. At this point, he wasn't even trying to look like he was shopping. My mom and sis were starting to notice this and also seemed concerned. At one point, we were grabbing something off one of the shelves and I could see him standing on the opposite aisle, peeking through the shelves at us. His sunglasses were still on and now his hood was up. We started to walk faster and do some random zigzags around the store to see if he really was following us and to try and lose him, but he would keep up, all in a very sneaky way at that. He would always be at the opposite end of the aisle, but he kept up with us the whole time. By this point, my mom was concerned, so we pushed the cart up to the customer service area to talk to a manager about it. By this point, we had lost him. We informed the manager, and she was very helpful. She actually went to go find the guy and talk to him. We waited at the counter until she paced back to us, with a confused look on her face. She walked up to my mother and told us, He said, You're his mom? By this point, my mom and sister were very concerned. The manager rang us up and said we should leave, and then they will escort the strange man out. We walked out to the car, staying close to our mother, when we were met with a horrible sight. The man just standing across the parking lot, across from our car, with his head slightly tilted, and a big grin on his face. We forded out of there, but we could still see him just standing there watching us leave. Whoever that guy was in the sunglasses, let's not meet again. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. First of all, English isn't my first language. I'm sorry if everything isn't 100% clear. This story takes place a few years ago, while I was still with my ex-girlfriend. I'm 22 now. I was 17 or 18 years old at this moment. I was living with my parents, and we lived in a little town of 300 people. It's literally the campaign with three farms in this town, which includes lots of fields. We had the habits of walking in those fields thanks to a little patch which is really old. There's place for only one car or truck or tractor. It was an afternoon, maybe 5 or 6 p.m., and we decided to eat some stuff right in the field near the road. So, we can see the road and people on the road can see us. The field, which belongs to my neighbor, who are okay with the fact that we're here, is separated from the road thanks to barbed wire. That's a few miles from my parents' house, by the way. We smoke weed, we drink, we eat, we listen to music. Everything is going all right. However, at one point, a car parked in the middle of the road, and a guy got out of his car and is doing stuff on the bushes. At this point, I'm thinking, okay, this dude is just picking stuff like nuts or whatever because it's at the end of summer. But I keep an eye on him anyhow. I talked with my girlfriend just like I did all afternoon until then, and I looked back at him. The guy is standing still behind his car, and he's looking right at us, motionless. I don't say anything and look back at my girlfriend. I give another look 30 seconds to one minute later. The guy has moved. He's now at the other side of the car, and 
same thing. No motion, just looking at us. The same process is about to be repeated two or three more times with him at different locations around his car. I have chills at this point, and I'm thinking this situation isn't normal at all. The guy suddenly went back into his car, and he moved away. At this moment, I told my girlfriend, Pack your things. We're moving right now. She thinks I'm kind of overreacting, thinking I'm paranoid because of the weed we smoked, but she listens to me. We're back on the road, going the other way the guy went. The road is a circle. Every way leads back to my house. And guess who has turned around and is coming right behind us with his car? That same guy, still looking at us while driving. He keeps his road and turns around once again to keep staring at us. This process repeats two more times. At this point, my girlfriend told me I was right. So we took his plate and tried to call my parents. No one was answering. The last time the guy passed at our level, I can clearly see something in his passenger seat, but I don't know what. But my neighbor came right out behind him with his truck. I stopped my neighbor and told her what we had just witnessed. She got us in the truck and we went back to my parents' home. My dad is a cop. I told him the plate. He looked at it. The car belonged to a grandma and was reported stolen. End of this part of the story. A few weeks later, as every day, I go take the bus into the next town, which is seven minutes of bike ride. It was still dark because it's pretty early in the morning. When I left my parents' home on my biker, I noticed light behind me. It was his car. I don't know how he knew I was there. Maybe it's pure bad luck for me, but I'm 100% sure it was his car. He followed me until I took a path which a car can't use. Only bikes and pedestrians can take. I turned off my light and drove until I went to my bus in the complete dark in order to not be seen by this guy. I kept using it this way for the next two years, and I've never met him again. So, to the creepy guy who stole a grandmother's car and stalked me and my girlfriend, I hope we never cross paths again. So this all started about four years ago when I was 13. I'd honestly forgotten all about it until just now. I thought it might be an interesting story to share with you. Anyway, my friend and I, like most bored kids in rural areas, spent most weekends walking around the village trying to find anything to do. On this particular day, we decided to walk down to an old, derelict barn that we hadn't visited in years. It was about a 30-minute walk from my friend's house, so not too far, and the journey was slightly shortened if we cut through a forest located by an abandoned gas station, which has been renovated since. So we reached the said woods, which was overgrown with stinging nettles and thorns, but we managed to scrape through a slight opening in the foliage and enter the forest. It had such a weird vibe. It's hard to explain, but I could compare the feeling to when you're at home, alone, and hear some inexplicable sound. The trees were giant and unlike any of the others in neighboring woods, and around each tree there were immense clearings. There were also old rusty pylons scattered around. The whole place just felt super off. Trying not to focus on it, we walked up a steep bank to get to the other side of the forest as quickly as possible. As we got deeper into the woods, I felt the weird vibe more and more until I eventually heard footsteps. They were really loud, but I couldn't see anyone, nor would I expect to see anyone in such an isolated area. And the footsteps just got louder and louder, and everything felt kind of blurry from that point. I kind of remember seeing an extremely tall figure inches away from me and instantly shouting to my friend to run. We legged it out of the forest, and I was so terrified I just ran through the nettles and brambles and kept running without stopping until we were far up a road. At that point, I decided to look back. I then saw, clear as day, the tallest man I had ever seen emerging from the forest in dark, scruffy clothing. 
I couldn't really make out the man's face, but at least from the distance, there appeared to be a sack on his head. It stopped and stared at me for about ten seconds, until I clocked how monumentally terrifying this all was and ran all the way back, not looking back once. Suddenly, just thinking about it, now unnerves me, especially since I am only a five-minute drive from those woods as I am writing this. I would say that I was just being a very imaginative kid. However, since that day, my friend and I have had two more encounters with what I think is the same man, both happening in the last year or so, at which point we had lost our over-imagination with age. I have also located where I assume he or it lives, a blue industrial shipping crate near where I first saw him, which contains a mattress and a couple other items. I can go into more detail about what happened the other times in another story, because this one's getting longer than I had expected. I very rarely have dreams, and the only dream I have now is one where I'm in that forest and feel a presence and need to escape, but can't find the way out. I don't think that man is a ghost or some dark force or anything like that, but I don't know who he exactly is or what he's doing living in the woods. That's what terrifies me, the fact that I just don't know. So, creepy man or thing in the forest, I hope we never run into you again. I used to be employed as a child protection worker. A report came through about a stepfather who was being abusive to his children. I was given the investigation by my team leader. When I interviewed the oldest child with the police, she had very visible physical injuries and told me exactly what had happened. I'll spare the details, but it was pretty horrific. As the children were in his sole care, we knew that they needed to be removed immediately. We sent a team of two workers out to the children's school while myself and a colleague called the stepfather into the office. I lead the interview, and it was horrible. He didn't even try to deny that he had hurt his stepchild, basically saying, That's my kid, I'll do what I want, and you can't stop me. When I served him the paperwork, he absolutely lost his mind. He was swearing and screaming and said, If you were outside this building right now, I would f kill you. We ended up running out of the interview room, pressing our emergency alarm, and I even had to make a police report about the whole thing. Basically, it got really, really messy. The next day, we had court for the children, and my manager decided I shouldn't attend due to everything that had happened the previous day. My colleague who attended told me that this man was at court and yelled several times something to the effect of, Where's that of a worker who took my kids? I remember feeling a little freaked out, but it's not uncommon to hear things similar to this when you have to remove a child. It's understandable that emotions are very high. You build a bit of a resilience working in this field, and overall, I mainly felt relieved that those children had been placed with an aunt and were very safe. About two weeks later, I had to stay back late at the office on an unrelated job. It was about 9 p.m. when I finished and I was the only person there. I walked out the back of the building to my car. It was really dark, but when I got close, I thought I saw a shadow moving at the front of my car, just for a second, and then it was gone. I was about 20 meters away at this point, but it startled me. I stood there for a second, just looking at my car, wondering if I was just being paranoid. While staring into the darkness, I started hearing tiny rustling noises, and whether imagined or not, all of the true crime horror stories I've ever read flashed into my mind. Safe to say, I freaked myself out and sprinted back to the building. I called my boyfriend to come and pick me up, explaining what had happened. By the time he drove up to the front doors, I had convinced myself I was being silly and asked him to drive me around to my car. He circled around, and with the headlights shining on my car, I could very clearly see that all four of my tires had been slashed. 
I was an absolute mess that night and called the police immediately. I was sure that this man was responsible, but as I hadn't seen him, I couldn't say for sure. I took a few days off and came back to a meeting with my manager, who had put together a safety plan for me and the other staff. She'd organized to have a security guard escort us to our cars and said very clearly that no one was to stay in the building after hours alone. Then, about a week later, a letter was delivered to the office addressed to me. An email that comes into the office goes through our reception staff. Our lovely receptionist opened it, and it was a note that said, You're as good as dead. The words were typed and printed. She was an older woman and burst into tears when she read it. It didn't say who had sent it, but I am convinced it was the same man. Over the next few weeks, letters kept coming, each one getting longer. They addressed me as an homewrecker, saying that I kidnapped and abused children. It was just horrible, horrible stuff. The threats in the letters were the worst. The person writing them threatened to torture, kill, find out where I live, and to burn down the entire building. To be honest, the police were less than helpful. They basically said that given the nature of our work, they couldn't conclusively say it was this man, although they had questioned him. To me, it all seemed like a pretty massive coincidence. I'd never had anything like this happen before. They did say they were taking the letters very seriously and tracking down where they'd been posted from, but I never heard anything back from that. My workplace took the threats very seriously, too. All of the security was bumped up across the building, and all staff completed refresher training on emergency management. One day, on the way home from work, I noticed that a car was following me. At first, I thought I was being paranoid, so I drove down a bunch of little streets, double-backed onto the same route, in a way, that would make absolutely no sense. Even after all that, that dark green Camry was still paced a little ways behind me. I freaked out, but had already planned in my head what I was going to do in this situation. I headed straight to the police station, planning to pull right up to the front of the building and beat my horn until I had someone's attention. The second I pulled into the police station, the green Camry drove straight past me and disappeared down a nearby side street. I sat there for a good 20 minutes, too scared to get out of the car, in case they came back around the corner. It dawned on me that in my panic, I had forgotten to get the license plate. That upsets me still, to this day. I told the police what I knew, but they told me that the man didn't have any car registered in his name. This was the final straw for me. I was a nervous wreck. I was looking around constantly at work and at home. I knew that he lived relatively close to me, so I even stopped going grocery shopping in case I ran into him. I stayed on stressly for a month, then heard from colleagues that the letters kept arriving. I was very honestly ready to quit, but then COVID happened. It really changed everything. Everyone went into lockdown, and all access to the office was restricted. I started back working from home, driving a work car to and from appointments. I didn't go into the office regularly anymore, only allowed in small working groups when absolutely necessary. Over the next year, the letter slowed and eventually stopped. By the time we were allowed back in the office, there hadn't been any sign of this man for almost seven months. About a year later, I left child protection. I don't know what happened with those children, but my hope is that they are happy and safe with their family. And as far as the man who I believe stalked and threatened me for doing my job, I hope I never, ever, ever, ever meet you again. So I'm currently traveling with my two brothers. We just arrived in Saigon this morning. In the evening, after dinner and a few beers, me and my two brothers, older and younger, I'm the middle brother, decided to sit on a bench in Hao Dan Park and have a quick smoke. We were chatting away as we sat on the bench when I noticed a Vietnamese man repeatedly looking at us and walking in circles very near where we were sitting. At first, I wasn't too concerned about him, 
However, my spider senses were definitely tingling. Then, a minute or two later, I noticed another Vietnamese man, dressed as a grab delivery driver, acting suspicious and repeatedly looking at me and my brothers. The stalkers were both on the phone, and I believe they were communicating with each other. Being in a foreign country, my youngest brother told us to leave. However, it was a good 600 meters walk to the park exit. As we were walking, I noticed both Vietnamese men had got on mopeds and were following us through the park, stopping behind trees and watching us. They then overtook us and sat at a bench further down the path, waiting for us to cross their path. Being aware of this, we left the path and started walking on the grass, as the crow flies to the nearest exit, avoiding the men. We are a hundred meters from the exit, when my younger brother looks behind us to see one of the men sprinting toward us. My younger bro took a fighting stance, standing his ground against the man and asked what he wanted. The man's posture became very small and he began talking very quietly. Both me and my younger brother kept a good distance and told him to leave us alone as we walked backwards towards the exit noticing the second assailant approaching us wearing motorcycle gear. However, my oldest brother decided, instead of trying to get out of the situation, he got closer to the whispering Vietnamese man to hear what he was saying. Both me and my younger brother were yelling at him to get the f*** out of the heat, but he was being a dumbass. He was being groomed. It took the Vietnamese guy five seconds to win my bro's trust. Then, out of nowhere... When my older brother was leaning in very close trying to hear the man, the Vietnamese guy grabbed my brother's crotch, grabbing onto his dong. He was shocked. I was ready to fight, expecting to be robbed or something, but the dong grab was super unexpected. After that, we started shouting and the men fled. For context, both me and my younger brother are competing MMA fighters. However, this whole situation was unexpected. We didn't engage in any violence towards the men, just shouting at them. End of story. Wild, eh? Be careful in the parks at night in Vietnam. And to the dong grabbers, I hope we never meet you again. And to you all, listening to my story, what's your take on it? A few years back, when I was around 18, I entered a very rebellious phase in my life. I've always been a prodigy child, always did as I was told. Never stayed out late, didn't smoke, didn't drink. Scored the highest in all my classes. All my family, my friends and friends' families thought I was just the perfect kid. But then something changed. I was on a lot of medication due to my health and I started going through bouts of depression. I started acting up like never before. I stopped going to school. I would stay in bed all day, didn't talk to anyone, and then slowly I started talking to strangers online. Initially, I was just talking to them online. I would talk to a few people till I found someone interesting. would dedicate all my time talking to them till they no longer held my interest, and then I moved on to the next person. This went on for about a year. Then I eventually started meeting these people in person. Most of these meetings were sexual, and I was very reckless. I slept around with more people than I'd like to admit, and regardless of my lack of concern for own safety, I somehow never met anyone that had any evil intentions. We'd meet a couple of times, do the dirty, and that was that. Until I met this one guy. I was talking to a couple of guys at that time. I wasn't in any sort of relationship, but just being a hoe. So this guy starts talking to me and asks me about my hobbies, my interests, what I do. I told him I do not smoke nor drink, and he was shocked. I told him it wasn't that I'd never done it. I had tried, but just felt like it wasn't my thing. We talked for a couple of weeks. I ended up talking about how I've been going through depression. And at first, he just listened. Eventually, he started telling me I should try smoking. It would help me relieve anxiety and stress, and I always turned it down, but he was relentless. 
After a month or so of talking to him online, we decided to meet. We had never had any sort of sexual conversation or anything like that. So I suggested to the online chat guy that we meet briefly for lunch and then he can drop me off to the other guy's place. He agreed and we decided on where and when to go. The day we were supposed to meet, we met at a local cafe. We had brunch and then I got into his car for him to drop me off at the place I had to go. It was a good 45 minute drive, so I put on some songs and decided to relax. Five minutes into the drive, he offered me a cigarette. I declined. He insisted and kept insisting till I gave up and agreed. I opened the box and there was only one cigarette in there. I told him it was his last one and asked if he was sure he wanted me to smoke it since he would enjoy it more than I. He said yes. I took the cigarette out and there was something odd about it. It didn't look like it was store-bought. It rather looked like it had been rolled by hand, but then again, I never smoked enough cigarettes to be sure, so I lit it and smoked it. I couldn't smoke even half of it. It made me inexplicably nauseous, so I gave up halfway through and offered it to him. Instead of smoking it, he put it out and threw it away. I thought I was weird, but assumed he probably didn't want to smoke while driving. Thirty minutes into the ride, I started feeling very sick. My whole body was shaking. I was extremely nauseous, and I could barely keep my eyes open. I kept telling him I wasn't feeling good and that maybe we should go to the nearest ER instead of where we were going, but he kept telling me to relax and lay back. Everything about that ride just felt off. I told him to stop the car and drop me off wherever we were. He refused. All I could think of was pulling out my phone and calling the police. When he noticed what I was doing, he immediately stopped the car and I got off. I couldn't stand, so I sat on the roadside and called the guy I was supposed to visit. He immediately drove to where I was and picked me up, took me to his place, where I threw up all over his living room, multiple times. For the next hour and a half, I just laid on the couch, my whole body shaking and constantly throwing up. The guy brought me water, gave me some electrolytes, and kept insisting on going to the hospital, but I refused. I had no idea what I had smoked, but I wasn't sure it was just plain old cigarettes. I was scared if it had some illegal drug, and if the hospital caught on, I would get into trouble. And I absolutely did not want my parents to find out what I had been up to, so I laid there and kept throwing up and letting whatever that shit was get out of my system. All these years later, I am now married to the guy who picked me up from the roadside and helped me through an insanely embarrassing time. Oh, and to the guy that laced my cigarette. you. I hope we never meet again. My husband Jim and I own an antique business in a big old bizarre barn of a building. Five floors, multiple other tenants, including a restaurant. Halloween was a Monday last year. We locked up the business at 5 p.m. and we went to an early dinner across town. Then we got a call from Sonatrol, our security monitoring company, at 6.30. A motion detect on the lower level, then another. We left in a tearing hurry, but figured it's a bird or a rat. We don't have rats, but, you know, something. Maybe a cat. It's way too early for a break-in, after all. I went inside the main level upstairs and disarmed the alarm and started fumbling noisily with the keys and the big ol' iron gate, one of the many that separate the floors at night. Jim checked the perimeter outside for signs of break-in. Nothing. Doors and windows intact. Definitely, absolutely a bird, or a rat, or a cat. Dusk was long gone. The shadows had settled in and taken over. Just wardrobes loomed in the dark. Wardrobes and nothing more, right? I headed down below to the location of the alarm, trusting Jim would follow. After all, it was just a rat, or a cat, or a bird. I am accustomed to the building after dark, so I just turned on my phone light, not the overheads, 
and walked around boldly like I owned the place. I looked in the corner with the motion detector. Nothing. Just its red eye blinking mindlessly at me. No rats. No cats. No birds. I turned and went the other way while Jim poked around a few aisles over. And then there it was. A f burglar kit sitting in the middle of the floor. Bolt cutters. A fire extinguisher. Just sitting there. Waiting. I have never gotten a bigger case of sheer terror so fast. After all, there was no broken window or door. So he was still there. In the dark. With me. I hissed. Jim. 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 Please. 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 And he didn't hear me. I literally couldn't scream. Just like in those stupid god dreams. My voice stuck. Just me the spotlit burglar tools, and a hostile presence lurking in the dusty shadows, watching while I whispered for someone to save me. Finally, a thousand years or maybe ten seconds later, Jim wondered why I hadn't taken root in the hallway and came to see me. He saw what I was frozen, pointing at, and said, Oh. We bolted out the front door to call 911 and wait, and we abandoned the building to the burglar. An eternal five minutes later, the police showed up and were initially pretty unimpressed with our find of the crowbar and a fire extinguisher, until we pulled up the security footage that revealed the actual horror, the face of my new sleep paralysis demon. So, this guy, as is obvious, he is built like a lean, mean, brick shithouse. He crouched on a landing behind a bookcase when we closed and watched me and my staff lock up bided his time. Then, calm as could be, he walked out and went to the men's restroom in the hallway downstairs. That area isn't set for motion detect for a variety of reasons. He spent a while in there moving around with the door open. He constructed the mask using one of ours and a fake flower wreath to hold it on. Purple plastic clematis. He looked right into the camera bare-faced and then put the mask on. Stared at it fixedly in his mask for a time and finally pulled his gloves on. He stacked a few solid body vintage suitcases in front of a tall iron gate and hopped right over like it was nothing. He ran down the hall, that's when it triggered the 6.30 silent alarm, and looped the floor. He ran back into the hall and moved a ladder to hop back to the other side of the gate and, bizarrely, just repeated the whole thing a few times. Then he went to the basement, wormed over a 15-inch gap over yet another iron gate, back to the hall again, stared into the camera even more. Repeat. He was moving fast, up and over, back and forth, upstairs and downstairs, parkour style almost. Then he got the tools out and peeled apart one of our steel lockboxes with the crowbar and stole a handful of our keys to access showcases. At this point, he heard me fumbling with the gate and keys upstairs. He ditched the stolen keys and tools and hid, watching me while he waited in the dark. We exited to call 911, and he ran back to the basement. In the basement, there is access to a dirt tunnel that circles the perimeter of the building. He broke the door open and entered. Spiders the size of dinner plates live in there. He had no light. It's muddy and dank. It's, in a word... Petrifying. There is a tiny exit hatch. If you walk the whole thing and take the multiple turns, that dumps you into the busy kitchen of a restaurant. Whereupon, one would need to stroll past the line cooks, out into the restaurant proper, with cameras of course, and then one could leave via the front door, plastered with mud which does not leave tracks, speaking from experience. When we found it, there was this clear entrance into the tunnel, but no exit tracks, no muddy footprints, nobody walking out on the restaurant cameras, and the cooks noticed nothing. It was a very busy night, though. Reviewing the footage, timing it all, tracing his path from camera to camera and searching the building carefully took hours. By the end, all of us, including the police, were starting to lose our collective cool and freak out. There was no chill when even the guys with guns were rattled. After all, where the f*** did he go? Jim and the two officers had no choice but to walk the dirt tunnel. 
The cops took one look and were like, absolutely not. Jim insisted, and so they made him walk point. They made it about half through the tunnel before the cops were like, Q, you are leaving with us and we are going to review more footage from the restaurant, where there are no spiders and this. Jim got the okay from them to board up both ends of the tunnel, which he did solidly, and thus the story ends. The pictures got spread widely, but we got no useful leads despite the decent face shot. Did he indeed crawl out a hatch into the busy kitchen and stroll out past the cooks, leaving no trace of mud? Well, I guess. We got no suspicious smells coming out of the tunnel in later weeks and months, but nobody has walked that far since. We only unboarded the tunnel last week for the split water main shenanigans. I have vowed I will use his skull in this year's Halloween display if he's dead down there. This story takes place about five days ago. I'm still shaken up over it. I'm a 19-year-old female, and my parents and I packed up our U-Haul and made the long drive to our new home up north from our small and dinky apartment in central Florida. I can't lie, I was very excited about this move. Attending college in the spring, finally getting to start my dream career, and so many other things I couldn't or didn't get to do in Florida. On the first night of our drive, we stopped at a hotel in what appeared to be a shady area. It was kind of scary as it was set up right outside of a closed-down gas station with boards and graffiti written all over them. From my parents' experience and from what I've seen on TV, these aren't the types of places you want to go lurking around in. My dad, who's usually very calm and collected, was on edge the whole night since the door to our room didn't close all the way. We had to prop one of the hotel chairs against the door and use the deadbolt to have even the slightest bit of comfort. I thought it couldn't get much worse than that, but boy was I wrong. The second night, we stopped in a small town in North Carolina. We had our two cats with us, so we had to find a hotel that was pet friendly. We came across one of those hotels and booked a room for the night. While my parents were making sure nothing shifted in the U-Haul, I sat in the passenger seat of my mom's car with my little buddy, trying to calm him down, of course. He seemed more agitated than normal. About half an hour after pulling into the parking lot, we grabbed the cats and our essentials. Emotions were running high, so we were all on edge about getting to our new home in the next day or two, depending on the amount of sleep we got. We loaded our things into a cart and approached the hotel side door. My mom pulled out the key card and it took a while for the door to finally unlock. But the second we heard it click, a woman started yelling at us. We all looked up and saw her frantically running towards us. Her voice was frantic. The panic in her voice still sends shivers down my spine every time I think about it. She wore a long, dark blue jacket. Her hair is a messy ponytail that was tucked inside her hoodie. She either looked really tired, like she hadn't slept in a year, or she had gone through something terrible. She was panting, muttering the words, Call 911! Call 911! There's something wrong with that baby! There was no child with her, nor did we see any kids in sight. My initial thought was that maybe there was a kid near the front of the building that was seriously hurt, or... There was a car accident. We were too busy unloading to hear the collision. The woman kept telling us to call 911, but my mom told her she didn't have her phone on her. I always carry mine on me, and me being the kind-hearted person I try to be, I offered to call for her. But the moment I pull out my phone, my dad snatched it out of my hand. The lady then said, It's really bad. You need to come and see. My mom told her she didn't want to see and that we should go inside so the lady could go to the front desk and get help. At first she was screaming, No, no, I don't need their help. I, I need your help. But my mom kept insisting that we go inside. At this point, my little buddy was whining and clawing at his pet carrier, trying to either get out or attack this lady. 
My boy might look like a sweet fuzzball, but if provoked, he's a scratching machine. The lady took one look at him and attempted to reach for him, saying, Yeah, yeah, let's get the babies inside. The way she said that was creepy. This time, she sounded like she was on drugs or had bad intentions. I scooped up my cat before she could touch him, and we led her to the front desk where she told the hotel worker the same story she told us. The hotel worker tried to calm her down, and while the lady was distracted, my parents and I walked towards the elevator and started getting inside. As I looked back at the lobby, I saw the woman staring at us, her eyes full of anger now. She then started charging at us, and before I even had a chance to react, my mom pushed me and my furry baby into the elevator, them standing in front to protect me. I could see the woman still running towards us as the elevator was closing. I remembered the small screen near the elevator in the lobby, showing which floor the elevator was heading to. So, to stop this crazy lady from harassing us all night, we pushed all the floor buttons and we stopped on every floor. First, the second, the third, the fourth, then the fifth. After the fifth floor, we pressed the button back to our original floor and quickly piled into the room. Silence. My heart was pounding the entire time. My body started shaking at what just happened. As I got my cat out of the carrier, I heard my mom and dad talking about that lady. My dad speculated that maybe she had a mental illness or was on drugs, whereas my mom said she could have been a trafficker with the way she was trying to get us to come with her and see the supposed situation. That's when my heart broke. I try so hard to see the good in people, but at the same time, I try to keep the best distance I can, but this was the first time someone ever approached me. I was so gullible to almost believe her story. My guard had slipped. I tried to hold back my guilt and fear as best as I could, but I ended up breaking down. My mom hugged me, saying everything was going to be okay. But no matter how many times she and dad kept saying that, my body continued shaking and my paranoia lasted throughout the night. Even at the slightest creak, I shot up from the bed and looked out the peephole thinking the lady had found us. Luckily, she wasn't there. That night, we all decided we were going to get up at around sunrise and reach home before nightfall. No more hotel stops, no more creepy people, and definitely no more shady areas. As we checked out the next morning, the same employee from the last night was there, and we asked her what had happened after we had gotten into the elevator. The worker told us after that, the crazy lady left in a huff, her hands clenched into fists, but then the worker revealed a detail that my mind keeps going back to. When she turned to go after us, she saw a syringe in the crazy lady's jean pocket. I don't know if she had already used it or was planning to use it on me and my family. It makes me wonder what the outcome would have been had my parents not been there, and if I had given the lady my phone instead of offering to call for her. Would she have sold us into trafficking? Would she have robbed us while we were injected with whatever she was on? Anyway, we made it to our new home two days ago, but the fear of that night still eats away at me. It goes to show that no matter how panicked and frightened someone may sound or act, you truly don't know if they're in genuine trouble or if they have bad intentions after gaining a random stranger's trust. Please be careful out there, guys. I, unfortunately, had to learn the hard way that not everyone in this world is a good person. I'm just happy to still be alive and safe. I hope I never see that crazy lady again. So, it was summer. I just graduated high school and finally got to relax for a while after my four years. My older sister recently bought me an electric scooter to just ride around because I have nothing else better to do. I would ride this thing almost everywhere, every day. I would even ride all the way to my high school because I didn't live too far away from it. Well, one day as I was making my way around the front of my high school, I heard screaming. 
It was a druggie or homeless couple, a man and a woman. Both of them looked Caucasian with their pet dog. They were arguing in the parking lot of my school as I was passing by. Me being a nosy guy, I stopped a bit away from them just so I can listen. From what I heard, it seemed like they had some relationship problems and the guy was calling her a and all that stuff. So, as they were sort of done arguing, I started up the scooter and was planning on riding back home, but... Then the guy starts calling for my attention, cussing at me basically, saying stuff like, Hey, the in the hoodie. I was like, what the f***? And turned around, cause I never had someone be that bold before, towards me. I don't want to brag or anything, but I'm not scrawny or weak looking. I'm pretty built, and I already knew I can take this guy if push comes to shove. We are now exactly in front of the school. No one else was there besides some kids who didn't bother helping me out. As he keeps running his mouth, his girlfriend is trying to pull him back saying, No, stop, stop. You know, things like that. I then got off my scooter and was really about to fight him. I was pretty pissed. Then I think he pulls out an actual gun or some kind of weapon out of his pocket. And I was like, oh shit, in my head. I got back on my scooter and hauled ass while looking back and cursing them out. To this day, I have never told anyone besides a couple people, and have never seen that couple around where I live or near my school. So, to that asshole and his girlfriend, let's not meet again, and go to hell. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true Let's Not Meet stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves, and I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.